With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. And in this episode, primarily we'll be talking about Pitt football and their loss to Miami this past weekend. Uh, We'll also be talking about Pitt men's soccer towards uh, the back half of the broadcast because they are ranked number one in the nation. It's a remarkable achievement for Pitt soccer, so we'll be talking about them. Uh, But we will start by talking about Pitt's premier program, and that is Pitt football. They don't play like the premier program because they lost to Miami by 12 points, 31 to 19 was the final score. And that drops Pitt to 3 and 3. It drops them to 500 after starting the season undefeated 3 and 0. And it was sort of a weird game because in some aspects Pitt played well. On the defensive end, Pitt mostly played well. Uh the quarterback Joey Yellen for the first time that he's come in and played for the Panthers Played pretty well. I, I should say he got some some garbage time minutes, but played meaningful minutes for the Panthers. Played pretty well, considering Kenny Pickett, your third-plus-year starter, uh, is injured and not able to go. He played pretty well. Alex Kesman played pretty well. There were some big uh, performances for the Panthers, but there are three things that killed the team that did not allow them to make this a game and a chance to win against a very good Miami team. I'm not going to say they're great, but this is a team that's only lost one game, and that's to the best team in the nation, Clemson. But there are three reasons that Pitt lost this game, but has also lost now three games in a row, because these three things keep happening, and it's becoming incredibly concerning. So we're going to break down those three things, and then I'll talk about some of the other performances. First, penalties. It's penalties, drops, and red zone. We'll start with penalties. Pitt had 89 yards of penalties, 89 free yards that they gave to Miami in penalties, and some of them were extremely dumb. There were one or two that may be questionable calls from a ref, and that happens, and I get it, and I can't fault them for that, and even the occasional false start or pass interference, I get it, it happens. But some of these are incredibly dumb. There was an illegal formation on a punt. There was delay of game on, I think, first down. There was uh, a bad challenge that ended up costing Pitt a timeout. These are just unforced errors, and they are self-inflicted wounds. And you cannot have that when you've got an experienced team, for the most part, a sixth-year head coach, you've got coordinators and coaches who are all back. That just cannot happen. And all of those penalties add up, whether it's in the individual moment where it kills momentum or it gives the other team an extra chance, Or when you just look at it at the end, and that's 89 free yards that you gave to the Hurricanes. Just completely unacceptable on penalties. Then you look at drops. Pitt had 69 drops this season. Has 69 drops this season. That is number one in the country in a stat you do not want to be number one in. So 69 drops from the Pitt receivers. Not nice at all. Because the receivers, while they can have some great moments, we've seen some some big-time moments from Jordan Addison, the freshman from Taysier Mack, from Shockey Jacques-Louis every now and again, the drops continue to just be killer. 
And the quarterback position has been one of the better positions for Pitt this year. Certainly on the offensive end, it's probably been the best position, which I can't remember the last time that was the case for a Pitt football team. That on offense, the best unit was the quarterback unit. Because normally it's the running backs or the wide receivers. But in this case, it is the quarterback. And because Kenny Pickett has been playing very well, had been playing very well before he got injured. And Joey Ellen came in and had a good game. We'll talk about him in a moment. So you take this unit, these quarterbacks, who have been playing well and putting the ball, for the most part, in the right spots. You cannot afford to drop so many balls. And they've dropped 69 of them this season. Again, tops in the nation. That's been a huge struggle. And then the third big unforced error, and the reason Pitt lost this game and has lost three in a row, is the red zone. Pitt looks anemic in the red zone. It almost looks like a completely different team. Not that the offense is so good outside of the red zone, because this is just not a good offense. But once they get into the red zone, it almost feels like you know what's going to happen. It feels like you could make the bets right there. If the, you know On the live betting sites, they say, what's going to happen in this possession? Once Pitt gets inside the 20, say it's going to be a field goal. Definitely going to be a field goal because it just keeps happening. Once Pitt gets into the red zone, they cannot seem to get a touchdown. They had four red zone field goals in this game. Four times they got inside the 20-yard line and had to settle for a field goal. I get if it happens once. Maybe if it happens twice. Four times is just ridiculous. When you're trying to keep up with Miami, you cannot have four field goals from the red zone. And again, the major problem is that it's just come to feel inevitable. You see Pitt get the ball, even if it's a defensive turnover, and it's an interception, and it's nearly a pick six, and and Paris Ford or whoever it's going to be gets to the five-yard line. You just have an awful feeling that Pitt is not going to be able to get a touchdown out of this. The only way is maybe if you can get it to the one-yard line, then maybe Pitt can punch it in. But other than that, if you get it to the 10 or the 15-yard line, I don't. it's highly unlikely that Pitt's going to be able to get a touchdown, and that's a major problem. There was one in particular in this game. You talk about a red zone field goal. It was late in the third quarter. Pitt was trailing by 12 points, so a two-score game, and it was fourth and three on the 12-yard line. Fourth and three on the 12. Now, three yards, you've got some field to play with, you're down 12 points. You're not going to try a running play. I get that. But you're t- if you can't get three yards passing, you don't feel confident you can get three yards passing, and instead you choose to take a field goal where it takes you from down 12, which is a two-possession game, to down nine, which is a two-possession game. I have, I mean, I guess I get it in that you think it's much more likely that your offense can get another touchdown and field goal as opposed to two more touchdowns I get that but if you can't get three yards in the red zone you're not going to get another touchdown and another field goal it's just not going to happen and by the way that was the last score that Pitt had of the game so that's almost like waving the white flag because if you don't believe that your team can get three yards in this case with all that on the line I don't know how you think that there's any chance that your team is going to get two more scores in any case, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal. That just shows you have zero confidence in your offense, which is somewhat founded, but you have more confidence that they'll be able to get two more scores than they'd be able to get three more yards here and continue the drive. 
I just do not understand that. It's fourth and three. You're down two scores. It's late in the third quarter. You've seen the writing on the wall. It's been the same all game. You have to go for it there. You have to get a touchdown. Even if Pitt didn't get the field goal and they stayed down 12 points, that's fine. Whatever. If you if you go for it on fourth down and you fail, it's bad. It's bad. You know, the offense doesn't look good. But it's not a bad decision because ultimately you're still down two scores. And if you can't get those three yards, you're not going to win that game. But to not even try for those three yards and instead kick a field goal, it's still a two-score game, and then just hope that you're going to stop Miami and you're now going to, for, for the rest of the game, and you're now going to get two more drives where you'll come up with points. One will be a touchdown, one will be a turnover. If you're at the 12-yard line and you cannot get three yards to continue the drive and get a touchdown, it's just not happening. So to me, that decision makes no sense, even though I completely understand not trusting your offense because, frankly, there's not much to be trustful uh, about. You just cannot give up that way. You cannot settle for a nine-point deficit when you're down 12. You can't do it. It's still a two-score game. There's zero purpose. If it made it an an eight-point game, I would understand it. It's now a one-score game. All you need to do is get a touchdown again. I'd still maybe like to see them go for it, but okay, I get it. But fourth and three from the 12-yard line to go from a two-score game to a two-score game, and all it changes is that one of those scores can be a field goal instead of a touchdown, I just think is ludicrous. And it made clear by the fact that Pitt did not score the rest of the game. So it didn't matter if the two scores, touchdown, field goal, they couldn't score the rest of the game. That was as close as they were going to get. And by giving it up and giving up and just settling for a field goal, that to me was such a bad decision. And it kept a two-score game. And and the entire red zone offense, uh, both the talent on the field and the decisions being made by Pat Narduzzi, Mark Whipple, and uh, the whole coaching staff, it's all been maddening. And those are the reasons that they lost. That is why Pitt lost to the Hurricanes, and it's why, even though they came down to just one point at the end, it's why they lost to NC State, it's why they lost to Boston College. This team has struggled mightily these past three weeks in penalties, in drops, and in red zone. And that's why they're 3-3. Three and three. This team could be 5-1, and one, even 6-0 and oh possibly, if they just cut down on some, just some, of these unforced errors. And the, these three problems, the penalties, the drops, and the red zone efficiency. If you cut down on those three things, you beat NC State, you beat Boston College, and you've got a real chance to beat Miami. And that's just been the difference. And in those, those inches, you know, it, it's a game of inches. And in those inches, they really make the difference. Pitt cannot be losing that battle. Because they should have the advantage with the experience that they have and the stability that they have. They should have the advantage, and they are ceding the advantage to their opponents. And because of that, they have lost three straight. So it's just been a major problem. There's one stat that stuck out to me. It blew my mind, in fact. It's from David Hale, who, who, who dug and got the research. He's got some great stats. And this stat is, there are nine teams in the country with, a positive, with both a positive turnover margin and, and they are outgaining their opponents by 100-plus yards per game. So they force more turnovers than they give up. Great sign. And they outgain their opponents by a ton, by over 100 yards per game. Two signs of a great team. And when you take those nine teams, 
that qualify for that stat. Seven of them combined to a record of 31-1. and one, And the only loss is to another one of those teams. Another one of those seven. So not a single one of those teams, of, those, of seven of those nine teams, has lost a game to anyone else. And then you've got Pitt, who does have a positive turnover margin, and who does outgain their opponents by 100-plus yards per game. But they're 3-3. Three and three. Seven other teams are 31-1. and one. Pitt is 3-3. Three and three. And by the way, UCF was the ninth team. You cannot have that. You cannot have a team that for the most part plays well, a defense that for the most part is very good, where you have a positive turnover margin. Your defense gets turnovers, and your offense has been good. You haven't had running backs who fumbled the ball, and you haven't had quarterbacks who have been throwing picks. Kenny Pickett's been good. Joey Yellen in this game was pretty good. And yet, and you're outgaining them. You're able to move the ball down the field and all that. You're doing all of those things. But because of the penalties and the drops and how you play in the red zone, you are 3-3 three and three instead of 5-1 and one or 6-0. and oh. That's what is maddening. That this team, in so many ways, can play so well. And yet, they, they continue to lose whether it's by one point or by 12 points in this game. And I'm not saying they should have won this Miami game, if not for those things. They may have fallen short, but they could have won the game. It could have been a very tight game, and they could have had a chance to win, and they gave it up. And certainly against NC State and Boston College, they should have won. And uh, and again, it came down to these things. So just a major problem that's continued now for three weeks. They've lost three games by 14 points total. And in those three games, talk about the penalties, 260 yards of penalties they have given away to NC State, to BC, and to Miami. 260 yards of penalties in three games, and the difference has been a total of 14 points. You've lost three games by a total of 14 points. You cannot have these games be that close and play, again, for the most part, that well and still lose them. It's a major indictment. And again, it's a problem when you've got a sixth-year head coach in Pat Narduzzi who should, when it comes to the drops, where this has been a problem for a couple years, they should be able to coach that out by now. When it comes to the penalties, they absolutely should uh, instill the discipline that you need to not have these stupid penalties and the awareness and all these things where you're not constantly picking up these penalties. And in the red zone, Mark Whipple, he's not a good offensive coordinator, but my almost anyone could do better in the red zone. And it's been a major problem. So when you've got stability, you've got a sixth-year head coach, you've got a team that's fairly experienced. This just can't be happening, and it continues to happen. And so that's what's frustrating, on top of the fact that you can see the good things. You can see what Narduzzi wants to do. You can see the ways that he has coached this team up. You can see in the defense, the kind of defense that he wants, that's outside of a couple big plays, they're going to play really well. They're not going to allow Miami to just drive the ball down the field, or any team. They're, They're going to force turnovers. It's a defense that's very good. The quarterback play has been good. Special teams, for the most part, <laughs> uh, has been pretty good. The punting, especially. Kirk Christodoulou has been stellar. And uh, Alex Kessman, he's had some bad moments, but he's had some good moments. For the most part, it's there. 
but the running game has been non-existent. The offensive line is not there. The play calling has been horrid. And then when you add all that up with these unforced errors, these self-inflicted wounds, that's how you lose these past three games. And it's just very frustrating because you see what Pat Narduzzi wants to do. You see the positives. You see what this team could be if they could get out of their own way. But after three weeks of the same problems, after six years of Pat Narduzzi, you wonder, can they get out of their own way, or is this the best that it can be? Because if this is the best that it can be, there's a major problem. But we'll see. I mean, any one game could change, you know, turn the corner. They've got Notre Dame this weekend. Maybe it can turn the corner. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, before we go into that briefly, Joey Yellen, he looked good. I mean, I said it before. Now, he can't run. He's, he's not like Kenny Pickett where he's going to be able to get out of the pocket when there's pressure. But funny enough, there actually seemed to be more protection for Yellen than there has been for Pickett. I don't know what it was about the offensive line, but Yellen seemed to have more time in the pocket. And he was certainly more calm in the pocket, maybe because he knew that he can't run, so he's just there and that's it. Uh, you know, he, he had to throw a lot because... This team's running game is just non-existent. So he threw 46 times. 22 of them uh, were completions. Got almost 300 yards in the air. He got a touchdown. You know, there's not too much more that you can ask for a quarterback starting his first game with your program, who's uh, just a recent transfer in when Kenny Pickett was uh, was injured. And we don't know how long Pickett will be out. It certainly seems like it'll be out uh, for a good period of time, maybe this season. We don't know. They're pretty secretive. But uh, it's just the fact that your quarterback has to throw 46 times because your running backs just can't get almost anything accomplished, that's a major problem. And so Joey Allen looked good. He's going to be the starting quarterback now until Pickett's healthy, but still a major problem on the offensive end. And then on the defensive end, things mostly look good. Jason Pinnock still having problems. But the defense played pretty well. You've got good players. You've got Paris Ford. Uh, you, you've got DeMar Hamlin. You've got Patrick Jones, Phil Campbell. I mean, you, you've got a lot of good players. Savasi Dennis has stepped up in a major way. Not a lot of people saw it coming, uh, the sophomore. But uh, it's, it's, been, uh, it, it's been a very good defense outside of a couple plays, which is what makes it actually worse that this team has not been able to uh, win these past three games because of just small things. Because for the most part, they have played pretty well, and there have been bright spots, but there have been some really ugly-looking uh, demerits to this team. So uh, we'll see upcoming this weekend. They've got Notre Dame. It's the first time that even if you don't have the ACC network or a way to, uh, to watch it, you will be able to watch this game. Um, it's going to be on national TV on uh, on ABC at 3.30, which for me is just a prime uh, Saturday college football kickoff time. So I'm really looking forward to that. Notre Dame, not a great team. Pitt's home. There are going to be a, a few thousand fans there. Um, the band is going to be there, which will be exciting. Students will be there, which will be exciting. Uh, Notre Dame did not look good against uh, Louisville. They they just beat the Cardinals 12-7. to They had a lot of problems. Uh, they didn't look particularly great against Florida State. They pulled away late, 42-26, to but they still struggled a little bit. They didn't look great against Duke. They won 27-13. to But Notre Dame, uh, they're ranked fifth in the nation. They're not the fifth best team in the country. And Pitt could beat them. As poorly as Pitt has been playing the last three weeks and all these mistakes, Pitt, a team that has lost three games in a row, I could very well see uh, them beating Notre Dame. 
Uh, I'm not positive it's going to happen, but I would not be surprised if it happens if they amp themselves up, if they work out these kinks, and they actually put together a full football game. They don't keep shooting themselves in the foot. And maybe they could put together a win uh, here at home against Notre Dame. It would be a huge opportunity. If they get the win here against Notre Dame, you forget a little bit about the horrible last three weeks. Uh, It leads into a a bye week, so that is certainly helpful. Uh, A win would be huge. You know, obviously it's a rival. It's fifth ranked in the country. win would be huge. A loss would be very bad. Even though loss is expected, Pitt, it's the underdog. I get it. A loss would be very bad losing four straight heading into a bye week it would things would just be bad so i know that pitt is not expected to win this game but and and no one could qualify it as a must win but in in some ways it is a must win just because of how bad things will be if they lose because of the last three games if they beat nc state and boston college and then just lost to miami and notre dame unfortunate but okay but the fact that they have lost three in a row and in large part because of shooting themselves in the foot, you really can't lose a fourth in the row, especially because Notre Dame seems vulnerable. You can't do it. So we'll see what happens, but just a prime time uh, slot for Pitt. Again, they're on national TV for the first time, so they can show that they are better than how they've played the last three weeks, but they actually have to come out and show it uh, on Saturday. Uh, Before we go, Pitt soccer. Number one in the nation. It is a phenomenal accomplishment. Jay Vitovich has been a stellar coach since they hired him years ago. Seemed like a great hire at the time. Uh, And he has only uh, exceeded any expectation from there. He was a great coach um, at, uh, at Wake Forest. Uh, he won the uh, the national championship there. He won coach of the year there. Great coach. Uh, went on to coach uh, Portland Timbers 2 uh, in USL. And, uh, and then came over to Pitt. And he has been excellent uh, for the Panthers. This program has been excellent. And in the same way with volleyball, you, you couldn't necessarily see... I mean, Pitt just has not been good at Olympic sports. It was just about football and men's basketball, maybe women's basketball, and that's it. And in recent years, we've seen it with volleyball. We've seen it with men's soccer, women's soccer starting to get very good. Uh, it's it's an exciting time for Pitt. Baseball had uh, had a big run in softball. We're seeing the Olympic sports really step it up, and so it's, it's very exciting uh, for Pitt men's soccer to be stepping it up. Because, if, by the way, if there's one sport, that I think if you could choose uh, to have a premier sport out of all the Olympic sports, uh, and and I won't count uh, women's basketball. I'll, I'll count that with, uh, with football and men's basketball, because otherwise that would be the answer. But if you could pick one Olympic sport to be uh, great at, if all your other Olympic sports you struggled in, and no one really cared, but you could be great at one, What's going to help the program the most? What's going to help the school the most and all that? I would probably say men's soccer because it is, I, I could say actually men's or women's soccer, but I would say soccer is the sport. I could very well see it um, with women's soccer, especially uh, because the the best players in women's soccer pretty much uh, universally go to college and, and play college soccer, whereas the best players in the country for men's soccer tend to just go straight to the pros. So maybe women's soccer. But either way, soccer is probably the sport. Because uh, baseball, uh, for as big as it is, 
uh, as a pro sport. In college sports, it's just not really there, um, and it, it wouldn't. I, I don't think it would catch on a ton. Um, and volleyball, as great as Pitt has been, and it's very exciting. Again, I, you know, I don't know how much uh, it, it can catch on to the uh, broader public, even though I love it and I think it's great. But soccer is a really big sport, and it would be stellar with so many professional teams, including one in Pittsburgh, the Riverhounds, to have players come out of Pitt and then go play professionally. And what that would mean to have Pitt become a pretty much a, a premier uh, soccer powerhouse program and sort of a pipeline to the pros to have MLS players come out of pit. That would be huge. And so uh, I think that having a men's soccer team that is really good uh, could be stellar for, uh, for the university of Pittsburgh and for pit athletics as a whole. Uh, this is the first time since 2009 that any pit team in any sport has been ranked number one. Now, volleyball should have been should have been ranked number one last year, uh, and that was an injustice. But this is the first time since men's basketball in 2009 uh, with Dewan Blair has been ranked number one in the nation. That is incredible. And uh, this is a team that they've beat some great teams. They beat, I believe it was Notre Dame, who's ranked fifth in the country this week. It was Virginia, who was ranked fifth in the country. Pitt beat them both. They are undefeated. They've got players from all over the world. Uh, two of the best players are from France. Their goalkeeper is from Spain. It's a really cool program. The only bummer is that you have to have the ACC Network uh, to watch the games, either ACC Network or uh, ACC Network Extra. And so for Comcast customers, for a lot of other people, uh, you can't watch pit soccer. And that is uh, upsetting. You would hope that maybe you can get on national TV uh, or, uh, you know, the ESPN app even where you could be able uh, to watch pit uh, soccer. But if you are able to watch them, I would highly suggest you do it. Uh, as many of you know, one of uh, my my career uh, sports, uh, you know, play by play guy and uh, soccer and basketball are the two main sports that I do. Uh, soccer is a phenomenal sport. I promise you can uh, you can get into it, even if there aren't a lot of goals scored. Uh, the buildup is a ton of fun. Anytime there's a shot, it means that much more. And when there's a goal, you just go absolutely nuts. So uh, soccer, it's a great game, a great sport to watch. And when Pitt is playing as well as they are playing, uh, it becomes an absolute must-watch. So Pitt soccer, the, the number one team in the nation. First time Pitt has had any number one team since 2009 in any sport. It's incredible. What they've been able to do is miraculous. Jay Vitovich, uh, Pitt soccer, number one. They are easily Panther of the week, no doubt about it. Um, I will be back next week, uh, hopefully Monday. I was having uh, some computer issues. Uh, at the uh, over the weekend and the start of uh, this week, which is why I couldn't get this episode out on Monday. But hopefully uh, Monday I will have this episode out. Regardless of when it's out, uh, please do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, however you're listening to this, just hit subscribe. Search for Cardiac Hill on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Search Cardiac Hill. Subscribe to this podcast feed. So whenever there is a podcast, uh, you will get it delivered straight to you. Uh, and also keep checking CardiacHill.com. And uh, uh, yeah, so until next week, we'll see what Pitt can do, if they can pull off the upset. If the super weapon uh, can charge, is fully charged, if it can launch, we'll see if Pitt can beat the Irish. Uh, it would certainly go a long way for this Panthers team. They desperately need the win. So until next week, I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast.